Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Amen. God bless you. I want to look at just a few verses of Scripture here this morning, and uh, you can remain seated. They're going to put them on the screen, and I want us to read them together out loud. The first one is Psalm 37 and 5. Let your voice and read it with me if you would, please. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. All right, well, I didn't get any amens or shouts, so let's, let's read it again. This is the word of God. This is the scripture. This is the promises of the Lord. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Is that true? Amen. Amen. Look at Proverbs 16 and 3. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 3. What does it say? Read it with me. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Somebody say amen. Amen. We believe it, don't we? We believe it. Amen. Let's look at one more. Proverbs 29 and 18. Amen. Read it with me now. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Amen. I believe the Lord wants to speak to us this morning. How many are ready to hear from the word of the Lord? Are we ready to receive what God has for us on this vision Sunday? Amen. I learned something recently that I knew the moment that I learned it that it was going to find its way into a sermon somewhere. That is the life of a preacher. Sometimes you learn things and you just think, well, that's neat. And sometimes you learn things and you think, that's going to happen. I'm going to preach something about that at some point. It is about Mahalia Jackson. Without Mahalia Jackson, Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous I Have a Dream speech might never have happened. I want you to imagine that for just a second. Probably, if not, one of the most famous speeches and most powerfully impacting speeches of all time. And the biggest part of that is the I Have a Dream segment by which he ended. But history will let us know that without Mahalia Jackson, that may not have ever happened. Jackson was known as the queen of gospel. She was a musical legend who helped bring gospel from church to mass audiences. I find it just awesome. I was watching a little documentary on her once I learned about this. And she grew up in the Baptist church in the South, but the specific Baptist that she was a part of was more somber, more sullen. But she was greatly influenced by the radical Pentecostal church that was just down the street. And the guy, the historian, was talking about this Pentecostal church that was influencing her singing. And how they were the butt of all the jokes. And how they were the ones everyone made fun of. Because in a time when everyone else thought that you should just be somber and sad and sorrowful, the Pentecostals somehow found a way to have life and joy and peace and strength. Oh, come on, somebody. And so the Pentecostal singing was completely different than anything she had ever heard, and it made an influence on her as just a young child. In 1961, she was the first gospel singer to win a Grammy. She was also instrumental to the civil rights movement, especially as a good friend of Dr. King's. Shortly after meeting King at the National Baptist Convention in 1956, Jackson agreed to sing at a fundraising rally 
for the Montgomery bus boycott. After that, she frequently accompanied King to perform at rallies and events. Her voice is now called the soundtrack of the civil rights movement. Jackson was devoted to King and accompanied him into the most hostile parts of the segregated South for rallies and for demonstrations. They became a team in a lot of ways. Even in moments when King felt discouraged, it is said that he would call Jackson on the phone just to hear her sing. The bond of mutual inspiration and respect between King and Jackson came at a pivotal moment during the 1963 March on Washington. King originally thought the speech should be a lower-key speech since he was speaking to a very broad audience. And if you've ever seen pictures of that day, it was a massive audience. And he was preaching to all people from all walks of life, and he was indeed preaching. They call it a speech. He was preaching. But he thought maybe he should be a little bit more low-key because of the setting and because of the crowd and because of everyone was there and he needed to touch on what were some controversial themes for sure. The original printed version of the speech doesn't even mention the word dream. It's not even in the notes that he took with himself to the podium. But during delivery, King started improvising a bit when he reached a sentence that he felt was a little clunky. Instead of calling on the crowd to go back to our communities as members of the International Association for the Advancement of Created Dissatisfaction, <laughs> instead of saying that, he went with, go back to Mississippi. Go back to Alabama, go back to South Carolina, go back to Georgia and Louisiana, go back to the slums and ghettos of our northern cities, knowing that somehow this situation can and will be changed. Something about that sentence caused something within him to begin to think a little bit differently about the environment and about the moment. And it was at that moment says King's advisor, Clarence Jones, that Mahalia Jackson cried out, tell them about the dream, Martin. Tell them about the dream. It was Jones, it was as Jones said, one of the world's greatest gospel singers shouting out to one of the world's greatest Baptist preachers. Jones, who was standing about 50 feet away from King during the speech, recalled that King looked over at Jackson briefly as she shouted. Then he takes the text of the written speech that's been prepared and he slides it to the left and you can see it in the video of the lectern. He grabs the lectern and looks out on more than 250,000 people that were assembled there that day. And Jones remembers turning to the person next to him and saying, these people out there, they don't know it, but they're about ready to go to church. <laughs> And at that moment, King speaks completely different. He begins to go off the cuff, if you will, under the inspiration, if you will. And he becomes, it becomes the I have a dream speech. Still to this day, it is difficult to listen or watch the original delivery of that speech without feeling the power and the destiny that is being delivered in that moment. It was more than words on a page. It was more than well-crafted alliteration and illustrative speaking. There was a clear call that could be felt and somehow envisioned. Somehow they could not only hear it and feel it, but they could see it. People got a glimpse of what was possible for them, for their future, for their children, for their grandchildren. The reality is that it wasn't just a speech alone. King was also talking regularly about his fundamental beliefs of life and how people should live and how they should exist together and what rights every human being had under God. He was regularly dealing with very specific issues and he was offering ways that these issues could be changed and these things could be fixed. His dream was not shallow. It had substance. It had structure. He wasn't just a good talker. 
He had things to say, and that is why when he began to speak that day about the dream, that it made such an impact upon society and upon the world. There is a very popular verse, we've read it here this morning, that is often used when people talk about vision. Everybody say vision. It's a very popular verse about vision, and we see it all the time. However, it's actually speaking about the negative effects of lacking vision. It's Proverbs 29 and 18, which begins, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, that is a very powerful statement on its own. If you just take it for the very surface value of it, it's challenging and it's powerful and it has strength even on its surface. Yet the simple act of continuing to read and studying just a little bit, will find you will find some interesting things about what it is actually saying. First of all, when it says without vision, that word vision doesn't mean what we usually think. It means revelation. It means prophecy. It means when people don't have a revelation of who God is, when people have not stepped into the realm of understanding and knowing and the word of God and the doctrines of that word, it actually is speaking about the application of the word of God in our life. When there is no application of the word of God in our life, people will perish. When there is no strength of doctrine, when there is no fundamental faith, when we lack a foundation in God's word, the people perish. Is there anybody in the house this morning that's thankful that you came, hallelujah, to Jesus? But when you came to Jesus, you came all the way to Jesus. You got in the book and you got in the word and you found out there was a foundation, hallelujah. There was a foundation and the chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ something to build our lives on, something to raise our families in, something that we can be confident is going to positively affect our children and our teenagers. And for generations to come, we have the word of God. The application of the word of God needs to be our vision, which makes more sense when you read the entirety of that verse. And it's just one sentence. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Happy is he. Keepeth the law. That phrase has within its meaning to hedge yourself about with the word of God. To wall yourself in with truth. And I'm just here to tell somebody this morning, I can't think of anything better to protect myself, to protect my family, to protect my church family, to protect anybody who would like it than the word of truth. I believe that this is the day and hour where we're living in such a society that you're going to need more than just your human willpower. If you're going to survive, you're going to need some things, some truth, some doctrine some faith, some promises of God, hallelujah, that have stood the test of time. To wall yourself in or to hedge yourself about with the truth. That's who keeps the law. The cry here is that people need a vision. They need an understanding of God and his word or else they will perish that word even doesn't really mean what we think of. It doesn't mean immediately to pass away or to die. It actually means that they will cast off restraint, that they will become unleadable, that they will have no boundaries on themselves, and that they will be open to everything, and everything will be open to them. This is the signature stain of our society today. So many have taken it as a badge of honor that they are completely independent. 
that there are no rules or authority that has any power over them, that they do what they want when they want, think what they think, say what they say whenever they want to think it or say it, and that has become a badge of honor for our society, and that is exactly what it means when it says uh, people will perish. It doesn't mean they're going to die today. It just means they're going to open themselves up uh, to anything and everything the devil wants to throw at them, and they're not going to have any defenses at all all to stop it without vision the people perish they proclaim themselves to be free but they have no vision no purpose no dream no way to become who God wanted them to become no way to accomplish what God wanted them to accomplish and they're open to every attack They've been deceived into believing that their best life is in their own hands. And that's a lie of the devil. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Oh, hallelujah. I said, he that keepeth the law, happy is he. There's something powerful about when you've got protection. There's something powerful about when you can lay your head down at night and know that I'm going to be all right because God's got me. I've got angels round about me. I've got the Spirit of the Lord in me. There's something wonderful about knowing if I die today, I'm going to heaven. I'm not confused and I'm not concerned. I'm on my way to glory. Is anybody happy in the house of the Lord today? Happy because you know who Jesus Jesus is. Oh, hallelujah. I want to accomplish a variety of things on this vision Sunday, but I am directed to begin with this that I put into my phone a few years, a few weeks back. And I wrote it like this it's real simple. Where God wants to take people will require their ability to carry more weight. But they won't until they deal with the baggage they have now. The Lord dropped that into my spirit a couple weeks ago. And I knew that I was going to have to touch on that today. Because I so completely believe that every person in this room has got a call of God a purpose from God, hallelujah, a divine plan for your life. And you have felt it from time to time. You have felt it in prayer. You have felt it in this altar. God has smacked you upside the head on some random Tuesday with it. And he said, I'm still here. I'm still waiting on you. I still got a plan for you. I still want to do some things with you. But the Lord told me to tell somebody today, you're not going to be able to handle the next step because the next step's got more weight. Oh, hallelujah. You say, well, I want to do some things from God, and I want to accomplish some things, and I, I want to take some steps forward, and God wants that to happen too. Uh, but there's weight involved with ministry. There's weight involved with doing the work of the Lord. There's weight involved with doing kingdom-minded things. Uh, you say, preacher, you're not making it sound very good. No, you're missing the point. Uh, the weight uh, is not hard. Uh, he said his yoke is easy. Uh, it's not hard uh, in, unless you've got a bunch of baggage that you're also trying to carry. If you got a baggage, a bunch of nonsense from your past, if you're still holding on to the things of the world, if you're still trying to drag the old man into the new man, you're not going to be able to handle the weight. But if you'll do something in 2023 about the baggage and the nonsense, God says, I'll free you up to be able to handle the weight, hallelujah, that you're going to need in the next step. Oh, Hallelujah. The baggage that is holding some back is still there because of a lack of submission, a refusal to completely surrender your life over to Christ, to give God everything. Some have thought often about praying a prayer of repentance, but you still haven't prayed that prayer. You believe when the preacher says that if you will repent, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. You believe the scriptures are clear that God honors repentance and that you can be forgiven for every sin, but you still won't truly repent. 
Because every time you think about repenting on Sunday, your flesh says, but don't you want to do this on Monday? Oh, I'm sorry. Is this too heavy for Vision Sunday? Did you think I was going to come in here and just rah-rah a little bit? Every time you think about repenting uh, over that issue and that sin uh, that you're struggling with, uh, your mind begins to speak, uh, your flesh begins to speak, uh, and perhaps even the devil begins to speak in your head, uh, saying, yeah, go ahead. What's the point, though? Because you know you're going to do it again on Tuesday. You've already got a calendar on Friday to go hang out with so-and-so. You've already got plans to sin. Plans to sin. My God. And so some have been challenged routinely in the last year and beyond to repent, truly repent and turn away from your sin, but you haven't done it yet. And that's why you're stuck. Some have thought often about getting baptized, but you haven't done it yet. Oh, hallelujah. You thought about it. You've been here for services. You've watched us baptize people over here. You've seen them go down in the precious name of Jesus their old man buried, they come up, you've seen the look on their face, you've seen the joy that hits them, you've seen the tears flood down, you've seen the release that takes place, and you know the Bible is true, that there is remission of sins, you know the Bible is true, that you can leave that old man behind, buried in the grave if you will, you know that there is peace and joy to those that will turn themselves over completely to Jesus Christ, but you haven't done it yet. And you keep coming up with reasons. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not going to start naming the reasons because I don't want to get too specific here today. You know what your reasons are. And you also know that they're nonsense. Because you know, as well as I do, that it's not the preacher telling you to get baptized. It's not the person sitting next to you telling you to get baptized. You know as well as I do that it is God Almighty telling you you need to get baptized. You know it's the Word of God telling you you need to get baptized, immersed in the water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins that you might be able to walk in to newness of life. I've come to tell somebody in the house today, today's a good day to repent of your sins. Today's a good day to get baptized in Jesus' name. Today Today's a good day to say, I refuse to stay stuck in 2023. I refuse to carry this baggage around for another year. I'm ready to walk into the life that God has planned for me. I mean, the water's warm. There's an entire ministry now dedicated to keeping it clean. We have clothes, we have robes, we have towels. I mean, really, what doth hinder you to be baptized? Some have longed to receive the miraculous gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. In that Mahalia biography I was watching, it said that that little crazy Pentecostals down the street that were the butt of everyone's jokes. It, it was their music and their singing and their speaking in tongues that everybody just thought was so crazy. And now, and now we live in a world where people are speaking in tongues across denominations around the world Every single few seconds, someone else is speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them the utterance. So I know, maybe you've spent your whole life in Minnesota, and you've only been around certain things, but this isn't new. 
This isn't new. In fact, this is found in the book of Acts. This is found in your Bible and the establishment of the church, of what Jesus Christ called a church. They were people who spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And there's something inside of you that's craving for it. There's something inside of you that is longing for it. But you're like, I ain't going to walk up there in front of all these people. I'm not going to walk up there in front of all these people. And Lord knows if I do, there'll be a whole bunch of people praying for me. Yeah, we, we, we tear down some of the cultural things in this church. Our culture, the bubble in our culture is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. In fact, some people don't even leave their homes at all anymore. The bubble in our culture is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But in the apostolic church, we still believe, hallelujah, that there's power in the laying on of hands. We still believe that there's power in connecting ourselves with one another. We still believe in the body of Christ. We still call each other brother and sister, not because we're brother in natural blood, but because we're brother and sister in the blood of Jesus Christ. We still believe in the connection of the family of God. Now, from time to time, we do have to tell people to calm down a little bit when you're praying with new people. You don't have to go crazy. But there's nothing wrong with a little crazy. You know what's crazy? Keeping your mouth shut and letting them put you on a cross and crucify you for the sins of humanity. That sounds crazy, but our God robed himself in flesh and made himself of no reputation, and he kept his mouth shut as a lamb before the slaughter, and he hung on the cross, and while he was hanging on the cross, he said, forgive them, Lord. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That sounds crazy, and if my God was willing to do that for me, then I'm willing to get a little crazy for him if he's willing to set aside some of his personal stuff and it's sacrifice, then we should be willing to sacrifice as well. You can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost before you leave this place today. If you'll repent of your sins and cry out to God and begin to worship him as he forgives you of your sins and empties you of the effects of that sin, he will fill you with his spirit and you will speak in tongues. And it's supposed to be miraculous. It's supposed to blow your mind. It's supposed to be unexplainable. That's the whole reason why he chose it. Amen. Hallelujah. Some are coming to church, but you're still trying to do life on your own and your way. Coming to church, but still playing with the temporary sinful pleasures of this world. Coming to church, but still trying to hold on to your own created doctrines. Sure, you can't find them in the Bible, but it's what you believe. You're trying to hold on to your own stuff and do it your way. I believe 2023 can be a year of your vision. It can be a year where you finally submit and surrender yourself to the word of God. I don't think I need to clarify this, but I'll do it anyway just in case. I have not asked you one time to submit and surrender yourself to me. If you're new around here, you'll just have to trust me. That's not how we do it around here. Oh, hallelujah. There is one head of the church, and that is Jesus Christ. When we submit and surrender ourselves, we are surrendering ourselves to the almighty God. And if you don't like that, I'm sorry. But if you want to go to heaven, at some point you're going to have to fall on your face before the throne and cast your crown at his feet. So if I can't do it here, I sure enough ain't going to do it over there. We have to submit and surrender ourselves to the word of God. And I believe this year could be somebody's year of vision where they say, I'm ready to go all in, preacher. I'm ready to give myself completely to God. I'm ready to be what God designed me to be. 
That is what Connect Point is about. That is what we are. Get connected. Stay connected. Live connected. Oh, hallelujah. We spend a lot of time around here on Sunday mornings trying to get people to get connected. Get connected. Get in this altar and get connected. Get to know God. Get to know some people. But we don't just do Sunday mornings. We also do Sunday nights. We also do Wednesday nights. Why do we do things like that? Trauma reboot and altar recovery. Why do we have these gatherings and these ministries and youth groups and lessons and teaching and children's church and Sunday school? Because we're trying to get people to stay connected. Oh, hallelujah. It's not our desire to pastor a church where people are just routinely every Sunday having to get connected again. It's not the will of God that people walk in here on Sunday having to get reconnected again to what they lost since last Sunday. There's a reason why we've given our life to this thing. There's a reason why we make church and God the center of our world because we want to stay connected and we want to live connected. We are believing that that connection is talking about being connected to God first. We've got to be connected to God. If I'm not connected to God, if you're not connected to God, we are simply wasting our time. Oh, hallelujah. We have no interest in building a large congregation of disconnected people. I have no desire to grow a church to a certain numerical number of people who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who do not have a relationship with the Word of God. No, we are feeling and believing and knowing that we must all be connected to God first, but we're not just connected to God. Amen. Because of our relationship with God, we are connected to the church. Because we know and believe from Scripture about the bride of Christ. We know and believe from Scripture of the value of the house of the Lord. We know and believe from Scripture of the power of connecting yourself to like-minded believers. And we also know that we sure enough don't have enough time on a little while on a Sunday morning to really impact a life like God wants to impact a life. So yes, a lot of us come back on Sunday night. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And a lot of us come on Wednesday for Bible study. And we have this large, beautiful youth group sitting in here today that they come, a lot of them come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night. Have you ever, I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not trying to make people feel bad today. But some of you adults need to ask yourselves, are you aware that some of our teenagers are in more church than you are? You say all they do on youth group is throw balls around the sanctuary and break stuff. You didn't think I knew about that, did you? I know everything. Yes, that will happen. And yes, they play games. And yes, they do stuff. But they also get taught lesson. They also get some word. They also hang around with other apostolic teenagers when they could be hanging around the world. They also learn more about scripture and about real life and how to live for God instead of learning how to put a needle in their arm. I wish somebody would get a revelation of the power of the church. Hallelujah. We believe in getting connected to God. We believe in getting connected to the church.
That's why we have things like altar recovery. That's why we have that ministry. That ministry does not just affect people out there. That ministry has blessed this church tremendously. Oh, hallelujah. There are people that have come to our church for months and even years that have decided to go and be a part of altar recovery and have been blessed tremendously because of the value of that ministry. The value of a, a small group being get to get together and women in one room and men in another room and begin to really open up and talk about what's going on in your life and have some accountability. My God, trying to live in 2023 without any accountability in your life, you're just throwing yourself to the wolves. But if you'll get some people around you, if you'll get a team, if you'll get support, if you'll get a structure, somebody that's willing to look at you and say, I'm here for you, brother. I'm here for you, sister. You say, don't have to happen on Sunday morning. It can't all happen on Sunday morning. Oh, hallelujah. But we've got ministries that are making a difference. Oh, hallelujah. We've got ways and ministries and connections that are blessing that we can be a part of because we want to be connected to God, but we also know the value of being connected to the church. And we're also then, once we're connected to God and once we're, we understand the value of the church, we want to be connected to a lost world. We are not hiding ourselves in the corner. We are not just trying to keep our head down and go unnoticed through this life. We have something to say. We have something to say that helps people. We have something to share that can change people's lives. I'm thankful that that crazy Pentecostal church down the street from Mahalia didn't shut down their doors and keep themselves quiet just because they were the butt of all the jokes and people were making fun of them. I'm glad that some of those early Pentecostals said, I don't care what the world thinks about me. I found something real. I found something powerful. I found something that can sustain me. Oh, hallelujah. Our vision and our mission are the same thing. It's to connect people to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And, somebody say and. And develop them into fully devoted Disciples of him. That does not happen if you just show up once in a while. That doesn't happen if you remain on the outside looking in in 2023. That doesn't happen if you stay disconnected from everything that God and the church has to offer. We're doing real ministry. We're doing real ministry on the front lines of battle. I may have shared this with you before, but somebody said to me this past year, they said they were describing, they were describing to someone what the United Pentecostal Church was, what we were. And his description, and he was not uh, uh, with our church, his description was, the Pentecostals are the Marines on the front line of the battle. Oh, hallelujah. In my lifetime, multiple times, uh, people have reached out or connected to me or Pentecostal friends of mine, and they were part of other denominations, uh, and they said, look, we've got this issue, and we know you Pentecostals know how to deal with stuff like this, uh, so that you can, can, you can come help us. Uh, one of my best friends uh, pastors a church uh, in, in central Illinois, uh, and he had a, a member of, one, a pastor of one of the other denominal churches in his city, uh, who said, I've got a young lady in my church, uh, the family had called me and said they think she might have a demon or something and they want me to come over there and pray and so I'm asking if you'll come with me because we know you Pentecostals have power with stuff like this. 
He said they got to the front door and the pastor that was called stepped back and pushed him in front and said, you go in first. Oh, hallelujah. I want to be an apostolic Pentecostal that the people of the world and even the denominal churches of the world look to and say, when we really need something to happen, when we really need a miracle, when we really need a breakthrough, when we really need something to change, we know we got to get the Pentecostals involved in the situation. It was said of the first church in Acts 17, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. We are a part of that book of Acts world-changing church. We're a part of that. And while we are a completely autonomous church, we are affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. And the vision of that UPCI, if you will, is the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. It's not just for a privileged few. It's not just for people who have the right name or pedigree or experience. This is for anybody whosoever will to not only come, but to get connected and to get involved. If you're here today and I'm not your pastor, I want you to know I'm ready to be your pastor. And some of you call me pastor, but I'm not really your pastor. Pastor is a shepherd. A shepherd has roles of leading and feeding and protecting. And if I am your pastor, it's the honor of my life to be so. But if I'm not and you want a pastor in your life and this is your church and you're going to claim this is your church, I would love to be your pastor. And I want you to know that this church is ready to truly be your church family. I said we're ready to be your church family. You don't have to come walking in here once or twice a, a, a month and, and say, well, I, I like this place, but I don't really know anybody. No, you can come all the way in and get all the way connected. I promise you, you're going to find open arms and loving hearts and long-suffering, merciful people because every one of us, hallelujah, were once in a pit. Every one of us were once in the bondage of sin. Every once, one of us once needed somebody else to come alongside of us and say, I'll help you. I'll be here for you. I'll show you the way to Jesus. And I say that with every amount of anointing, power, and enthusiasm that I can say it, but I want you to also hear this very clearly. We will not force, manipulate, or pressure anyone to taking the necessary steps that you need to take in your life, even though we know with 1,000% clarity it will change your life for the better. Even though we know that we are walking, talking, hallelujah, testimonies of what it did for us, and we know that what we have will change your life. We will not force you. We will not manipulate you. We will not pressure you into doing anything you don't want to do. You have to desire to be a part of the body of the believers. You have to want to grab a hold of the vision and make it your life too. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This last year, we had some cool stuff happen. I don't have time to go through all of it. We try to celebrate things as the year goes. Baptisms and Holy Ghost. We had some good services. We saw growth We had 180 people in here on All Nation Sunday. We had 213 people here on Easter Sunday. Two of our highest attended regular Sundays were towards the end of the year in November. We had 169, and the next week, 176. We ended the year strong. Somebody give God glory for that. 
Last year, we had someone get baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost nine out of the 12 months. I still long to see the day, and I believe 2023 could be that every single month of the year, someone or multiple someones were baptized and or filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We did have 17 people baptized and 11 were filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. I wish somebody would make a joyful noise unto the Lord for that. And I was beyond excited to see that we started off January, January 1, with someone being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I can't explain to you the feeling that a pastor has when he has to be out of town and someone sends him a picture of somebody getting baptized in Jesus' name. I could have run through a troop and jumped over a wall. Did a shout and a jig right there. Hallelujah. God is good. We're starting the year off right. And maybe somebody will get baptized today. Maybe somebody will receive the Holy Ghost today. That's awesome. And we will see even more than that in 2023. Can I get an amen? Amen. Somebody say the best is yet to come. But we took a hard look. We took a hard look at what we would call our unemployment rate. We took our attendees list from one of our big services. We looked at everyone that came to church that Sunday and we asked a simple question. Are they actively involved in some ministry outside of attending Sunday morning? Are they actively involved? The reason why we, I was directed to do this is because we looked at our retention rate. Yeah, sometimes we do stuff like this. I wanted to know what our retention rate was. And so I looked at the last five years, and I asked the question, how many people who were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost in the last five years are still here? And our retention rate is 57%. Now, I talked to a lot of people about that, and some were like, that's awesome. That's a great number. That's high. That's good. But I can't help, but something in me is not satisfied. And I know there's factors that go into that, and I know people move away, and I know stuff happens, and we, I'll just be honest with you, we didn't get into it that nitty-gritty because that wasn't really the point. But 57% of those that were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost over the last five years are still here. What we know to be true is this. Experiencing the gospel of repentance, baptism, and Holy Ghost is not the end. It's supposed to be the beginning. That's supposed to be your first steps into your brand new life. That's not crossing the finish line. We're not done. Now we can just go away and do whatever we want to do. It's supposed to be our entrance into God's a purpose for our life. But our retention rate is being affected by our unemployment rate. We found that 52% of people who attend somewhat regularly are not truly connected. So 57% retention rate good, whatever you want to think about that. But 52% of the people that come on a somewhat regular basis, uh, all they're doing is showing up. They're just showing up. So pastor's telling you this year, we're going to try even harder than we've ever tried. And I feel like we've tried pretty hard. We're going to try harder than we've ever tried to give people opportunities to get connected. One of the brand new things we're starting this year is connect groups. Everybody say connect groups. One Monday evening a month, we will be gathering in small groups in people's homes all around this region. You have already assigned, so don't panic. We took this part out of your hands. 
You have already been assigned a home, and the host home leader will be contacting you soon about January, our first connect group. It's going to be a time of food, a time of fellowship, a time of discussion, and a time of prayer. Food? I don't, I don't have to preach and sell you on that. I know. I don't even have to sell you on the next part. Fellowship? But there's also going to be a time of group discussion with some, some questions and biblical concepts that are going to be talked about for a little bit. And then every one of them is going to end with a significant time of prayer. You say, well, now, see, I, you had me at food. You had me at food. I was a little iffy on fellowship because I'm an introvert and I don't like people. But now I have to pray in a home with other people. Church, we've been trying to get to this point a long time now. Pastor's been trying to get us to this for a long time. We've got to get much more comfortable praying outside the four walls of this building. We're, we're all still aware, right, that prayer is the only way we fight. Are we all still aware of that? Prayer and fasting, these are the only way we fight. This is the only thing we have uh, against the war that is going on in the spiritual realm. This is the only thing we can do about the lost loved ones in our family, uh, about the lost world that we're living in. The only thing we can really do uh, that's going to change the impact on the devil, that's going to push back the darkness, uh, that's going to shut the devil's mouth, is for somebody to get a hold of prayer and get connected to God and believe that God responds. So, yes. We will have prayer at Connect Groups. It will close out in prayer, and it won't be just 30 seconds. And you can be all right if you need to just kind of scoot over in a corner a little bit. And close your eyes and just listen. You know what I realized one day? I realized that nobody ever sat me down in a class and taught me how to pray. And then I thought about it and I realized that would actually be very hard to do. I mean, I've taught concepts of prayer. We've taught a lot, a lot of times around here. We've talked about different ways to pray and how you can pray and themes of prayer, the Lord's Prayer, all that kind of stuff. But you know how you really learn to pray? You get around people who know how to pray. And if all you got to do is just stand there and listen for a little while and begin to pick up on what's going on, you're not memorizing anything. We're not resuscitating what they said. You're catching the spirit of it. You're catching the power of it. Uh, you're realizing these people really believe in this. Uh, and when you see the results of it, uh, there's going to be something inside of you that says, I want to participate in that. And so we're going to pray. And you, the, the details will be coming to you soon from your host home leaders and if you don't get something within the next couple of weeks, reach out to my wife and she can help you and just make sure we have the right emails and information. And you will be asked to not just show up, by the way. You will be asked to participate. Now, you may have to bring the ice. So you just walk outside and <laughs> scoop up a bunch of it from the driveway and you might have to bring some cups. I want to be very clear. These people that have opened up their homes, all I am asking of them is to have their home open for you to come. I am not asking for their home to be immaculate and spotless. And if you have some critiquing, keep it to yourself. I am not asking them to prepare good big meals for everybody. They're not supposed to do all that. They're supposed to help orchestrate so everyone collectively can bring, and so we will all have something to do. Does everybody understand what we're trying to accomplish? We're trying to get people connected. Get connected continues to be our first step of our rallying cry. Get connected. We're also launching first steps, and I go quickly now. We're launching first steps, which is a new initiative. It won't affect most people that have been around here for a while, but 
And some of you may have already been invited to this. We're having the first one on January 22nd. First steps is after the morning service, we're going to be meeting for one hour, most likely in the youth room. We're going to have lunch served. Now, I said lunch served for people who have been invited. <laughs> so when you see food coming in here on the 22nd, you just go on to your restaurant or wherever. And lunch will be served, and during that time, it's for first steps. It's for new people that have come recently. And how this, maybe it'll be once a quarter. It'll just determine how many new people we have coming, how often we have to do it. And we'll do it probably once a quarter to start out with. And in that class, in that one-hour class, they're going to learn the history of our church. They're going to learn about who we are, what we believe, our ministries. Obviously, we're not going to go into complete depth but they're going to learn that, and they're going to learn how they can get involved. Amen? For those who are ready to take the next steps, we have Elements class. Elements meets every Wednesday night, teaches us our, our core doctrines, lifestyle, apostolic lifestyle teaching. It will answer any questions you have about who apostolic Pentecostals are. This happens on Wednesday nights. It's been happening for a long time. If you've never participated in it, 2023 is the year. So get those questions answered. Get into that class. After elements class, we have our ministry development process. Ministry development process has uh, training DVDs that I recorded many years ago. And yes, I am skinnier in the videos. And I don't need to talk about it. I mean, I'm exercising right now. Look at it. You know how long I have to run on a treadmill to work up as much sweat as I have when I preach? It's crazy. I need a Fitbit watch to wear while I'm preaching. I'm just kidding. Don't buy me a watch. I can't wear watches. It drives me insane. Thanks for the thought, though. <laughs> You're like, we weren't thinking about buying you a watch. What are we talking about? Elements class. Development. Oh, yeah, me skinny in the DVDs. That's right. Thank you for the help. Appreciate that. You could have said, fat man used to be skinny in the DVDs. We have training videos that you can participate. After that, we have a, a, a book that all of us have gone through that we would really love for you to read and, and do a report on that. And after that, there's more. And after that, there's more. There's nothing holding you back from growing. Nothing holding you back from developing. Nothing holding you back from becoming everything God wants you to be except you. If you want it, it's available. If you want it, it's here. If you want it, you can get connected to it. That's who we are. We're Connect Point. Now, if you choose to keep coming and just be present, that's fine. We love you. We'll love you with everything we got inside. We love you. But if you have any desire at all to start living God's vision for your life, and surrounding yourself with truth and building up yourself in your most holy faith. Now is the time. Somebody say, now is the time. I believe in every person in this room's ability to become who God created you to be. I believe that for people in this region that we haven't even met yet, I believe that for them too. You understand what I'm saying? I believe for people that we haven't even seen and God's ability to make them everything he wanted them to be if they'll just get connected. Because this is not just another church. This is a life-saving station. This is an emergency room. It's a spiritual birthing center. It's a training ground for those looking to be on the front lines of battles and reaching lost souls. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. It's a place to grow and thrive and become more than you ever thought was possible. You may not see it yet, but we see it. You may not see it yet, but I see it. Potential and power. We have so many areas that you can get connected right away. In fact, I've tasked all of our ministries all of our ministry leaders have been tasked with getting me a list of every single thing that they can think of that someone might be able to participate in. So if you're sitting here today saying, I don't really want to have any big job. I don't want to be involved in any big thing. I don't mind doing a little something. We got a little something. 
Hear, hear pastor today, yes, we do believe that there are certain elements involvement that require certain elements of consecration and commitment. And we are not afraid to say that. And we are not shy to make that declaration. You wouldn't be comfortable if somebody just walked in this room today, came in here, noticeably not serving the Lord, and I handed them the microphone and say, well, around here anybody can preach. And I let them come up here and preach to you. You wouldn't still be here if your pastor's life outside of this pulpit didn't represent the things of Scripture and the things of God. You would leave and go find somebody who had committed and consecrated themselves to the Lord. And there are certain ministries and certain places of ministry. We don't just let anybody get up on the platform. We don't just let anybody be in, in, in the spotlight. You say, well, why is that, preacher? Because we believe that the face of an apostolic church should be apostolic. We believe that when people come in here and look around, I don't, they can, I, God help us. I want them to see everything you could possibly see. I don't care if they smell weed. I don't care about bloodshot eyes. I don't care if people walked in here dressed any certain way. We're still trying to reach them. We're still trying to help them. And they are welcome here. And we'll love them all the way to Jesus. We'll love them all the way to Jesus. But it is absolutely your pastor's responsibility to make sure that there is some sort of standard that reflects the scriptures. It is absolutely my responsibility before God and not before you. I stand before God with what I allow to be done in this church, who I allow to speak, who I allow to be in certain ministries. And I will stand before God whether you want that to happen or not. That's what will happen. some guests that yeah we got guitar players we believe that any instrument can be used to the glory of God but for something to be a, an instrument to be anointed the person playing it has to be anointed that's, that's just an object that's just an object that's going to be burned up and consumed with fire when this whole thing is done but if you want somebody to pick up and play it as glory and worship unto God then they have to have some anointing on their life and the only way you get anointing on your life if you've got some commitment and some consecration and you've given yourself over to the Lord so I'll let them sit out here as long as they have to sit out here until somebody says I'm ready to commit myself fully I'm ready to give myself all the way to Jesus Bless God, we got a Hammond B3 organ that's been sitting in storage for years. You know why? Because I grew up in Chicago. And if you ever heard somebody really play an organ, oh, I mean, play it. I'm telling you, it's one of the greatest things you'll ever hear. An apostolic anointed person throwing down on an organ. And I just can't get myself to get rid of it. Because I'm believing that God's going to send somebody to Connect Point who's ready to connect and ready to commit and ready to submit themselves unto the Lord and the anointing of God be upon their life. Oh, bless God, I would have trombones in Bongos. Bring it on. The only thing I say no to is 15 tambourine players. I've told people this for years. I've told for years. I have no problem with the tambourine player. But you're going to be on the music team. You're going to show up for practice. 
you're going to learn to play with the rest of everybody. We're not going to put 15 people out front hitting different beats and bits of rhythms. I grew up with tambourines. I love a good tambourine, but there is a thing called a good tambourine. And then there's just banging around. You say, well, anybody could do that. I don't think so. Anybody can hit a tambourine. But can they do it collectively and connected and as part of an anointed music team that has brought themselves together and prayed, fasted once a month? Did you know they do that? All of our ministries fast an additional time a month than our church fast is. All of them. Why? Because we expect a level of commitment and connection and consecration because we're not walking in here to put on a good show. We're walking in here to tear down strongholds. We're walking in here to see lives forever changed. We're walking in here to see, hallelujah, demons flee out the back door and angels comfortable in the presence and people to really be able to lift up holy hands. Stand with me if you would, please. You may not see it yet, but I see it. I know that the dream that has been given to me and given to us as a church and for this region, and you hear me, the dream that God has given us, the vision that we have in this congregation will not be able to fit in this building. I said it will not be able to fit in this building. Reason why God moved us out here in the first place uh, and told us we were now connect point uh, up on the hill uh, on the highway is so that we could reach uh, the entire region with the saving message uh, of Jesus Christ. And we're already impacting Mankato and North Mankato and St. Peter and Janesville and La Center and Eagle Lake and Madison Lake and Pemberton and Amboy and Cleveland and Medford and Waseca and Waldorf. It may just be one light that we got in those cities, but one light can change the world. It's already happening and God wants to take us to the next level in 2023. There are people in these towns and more that are going to say, these that have turned their world upside down have come hither also. They may not say it like that. They're going to say, who are these Pentecostals? Oh, these Pentecostals have got something real. We're coming. We're coming for them. We're coming for them. We're coming for them. And you're the light in your city. And you're the light in your community. And we may not have a Bible study there yet or a preaching point there yet or a church there yet, but you're there. And if we'll commit ourselves, that's all God needs. If we'll commit ourselves, that's all God needs. I would ask everybody in this church to come forward today. If you're new here, we do this every Sunday. Every Sunday. The front of this building is open intentionally so that... Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.